Are you glad to be in church? Well, I'm glad you came. And uh, we'll just jump right into this thing and get after it. Been, it seems like it's been forever since I've seen you all. And uh, don't worry if you missed the snow. It'll be here tomorrow, so it'll be all right. <laughs> well, let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this Bible. And Father, I believe that next to your son and the King James Bible, that is why we've met this morning. So Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to put our flesh on pause. And Lord, I pray now you'd help get me out of the way. And Lord, uh, I pray that you'd help me to set my own irritations aside. And Lord, help me not to have an agenda besides just preaching and teaching and doing exactly what you want. Father, would you have your uh, will and way in the service this morning? Father, we pray for those who are traveling, who uh, are going to be here for the morning service, that you give them safe passage. And Father, we pray for Brother Tuttle. Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen him. Lord, he's been ill and trying to recover, and, and uh, I know Brother Chance is out. So, Father, I pray that you'd uh, mend up the, the sick folk, and Lord, I pray that you'd uh, just teach us from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Now, we left off. I'm going to go back and read a few verses. Look at chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Now, you love, do you love your King James Bible this morning? Well, we'll see. Amen. <laughs> I do, too. And we're in one of those passages that uh, there's a lot in there. And I understand this book is inexhaustible. Amen. But you're in a passage that's talking about uh, uh, the proper relationship with the saved man and the saved woman. And uh, well, let's begin here again in verse 9. The Bible says... Uh, in like manner, also the woman adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to uh, usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. So we kind of left off on this thing, actually verse 11 here. And uh, um, the final decision, we said this, biblically speaking, should be made by the man in the home. And uh, we're going to say some things this morning that this world absolutely disagrees with, okay? And when you teach and preach the Bible, you're going to come across a lot of things that is against the world. Would you agree? So I shouldn't have to keep clarifying myself, but you and I do live in the Laodicean church period, amen? And you and I are inundated by the world, and everything we turn on and everything that goes in through the eyes and through the ears is against this Bible. And I know Christians think a lot of things are neutral in this world, but there's nothing neutral. It's either for the Lord Jesus Christ or it's not. And you're at a passage that's uh, in the world that you and I live is anti-biblical, this country is anti-biblical. But uh, the final decision, and listen, there is nothing wrong. We said this, and I, I would like to think I'm balanced on this thing, uh, but the Lord, he can decide and he can judge. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a gal in a marriage giving her opinion about something. Don't get mad. <laughs> you ought to give it. Why? Sometimes he's just an idiot and he needs to hear it. Now, I know that's going to seem to go against what I'm trying to preach and teach here, but there's nothing wrong with a woman giving her opinion. Opinions are needed. You do understand that, right? If you're here today and you're married and you think that you, uh, and I know we're limited, so I'm not targeting us 
but I'm targeting us. You got it. You see what I mean? Uh, if you think that she's stupid, well, that says a whole lot about you because <laughs> you married her. <laughs> Amen. And if you didn't, didn't, I mean, when you were dating her, didn't you think the sun, the moon, and the stars rose on her and set? And there's all these women in the world, but all more ugly compared to the one that you saw. It was for me. And if it wasn't for you, I'm not sure why you all hooked up in the first place. Surely it wasn't convenient, right? You didn't get married like, oh, it's so much easier to live with a woman than to be a man being by yourself. <laughs> You're smoking crack is what you are if you think that. But the final decision, according to the Bible, should be made by the man. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, when I met my wife, I, I was living on my own, and she was living on her own, and I was living out in Tea Lake, and I was in a, I was in a bad place in my head. I was in a difficult place trying to grow up, but not really fully, able, right? I mean, a man doesn't grow up for a long time. Come on, women. You've been, men take a long time to grow up. I used to think, oh no, us men, we're mature. And then I started teaching eighth, teaching eighth graders. <laughs> you know what I figured out real quick? Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to eighth graders, I've seen third graders that act better than eighth graders. Amen? And I'm looking at these eighth grade boys, and I'm going, they're idiots. And the eighth grade gals, I know some of them are a wreck, a train wreck and a half, right? But, man, they're like, they're like grown-ups compared to eighth grade boys. That's the truth right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But the final decision has got to be made by the man. Decisions are male in the Bible. Preaching is male in the Bible. Uh, leadership is male in the Bible. Amen? We doing all right this morning? See, that's the negative speech of a Bible. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Let's throw some things down that you already know, but it's good to regroup. But I would have you know that the head of every man is his wife. That's what, <laughs> that's what, the, that's what America would have you believe, isn't it? That's what every sitcom that comes across the television set shows that every husband's an idiot. You know why? Because they're idiots. Right? And they don't take up for the gal, do they? And they don't help her out, do they? So now we reap what we sow. All right, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And I know you know this, but stay with me. And the head of the woman is the man. God help us now, right? And the head of Christ is God. So we know that the man's the head of the family. Amen. The man, yeah, that's right. The man, he's the head. <laughs> a lot of times he acts like the other end, but he's the head of the family. Uh, something else, look at down same chapter, verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman. Hang on now. I inserted that. That's not there in the original Greek. But the woman of the man. So men, you have to make the decision. And listen. Not making a decision puts unnecessary pressure on her, and it will hurt your home. I've spent many years just wishing that she would make a decision, but guess what? She was kind of raised with some sense, right? Amen. Yeah, she was. I'm in trouble. I, don't matter what I say today, I'm in trouble. And you know what I? You know what she knows? She ain't going to make a decision. <laughs> Why? She's like, that's your job, pal. 
Amen. But you know what? If you're not raised biblically, if you don't know what the Bible says, you know what you do? Or if you're rebellious, gals, you know what you'll do? You'll go make the decision for him. It's not your place. Well, he won't make one. Listen, I understand your makeup in the sense that I'm 47 years old and I've been married 26 years. I actually got it right. I understand this. When a man doesn't do what he should, it makes a woman nervous in the home. And it makes her, uh, it makes her feel inferior. It makes her feel insecure. A woman automatically will normally feel insecure, but then you get her husband acting like a real uh, 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 bad guy, uh, you know, and not doing what he should, guess what? It just, it just takes the throttle on that insecurity for that gal and just sends it right through the roof. So, uh, men, you have to make the decision. That woman, that woman was made for you. Now, doesn't that sound pretty sexist? You know why? Because the Bible is male. Decisions are male. Preaching is male. Why? Because the woman was made for the man. I don't even feel guilty saying that. That doesn't mean you take advantage of her. It doesn't mean you abuse her. It doesn't mean you beat her. If you do, you better watch out when you go to sleep, pal. Right? Amen? But I don't feel bad saying that. Why? That's the Bible. All right? Now, listen. A woman is to follow a man. Now listen, you'll notice, you'll notice, I've noticed this over the years, when a man won't lead in his home, you know what a woman is prone to do? She'll go follow the preacher. <laughs> Why? Because for whatever reason, she'll think he's the guy that's leading. Whether he is or not, that woman will go follow a preacher. So a, man is, uh, a woman is to follow a man. A man is not to follow a woman. I'm not going to follow Joyce Myers. If I see her on the television, I'm shutting it off, or I'm popping popcorn, I'm going to sit down and laugh. Amen. And when a man follows a woman, listen, he's biblically cockeyed. You need to hear that. Why? Because you don't hear that through the week. All men are created equally. Sure they are. At the cross... All right, Adam, in this passage here, he was responsible for a decision he made. Now listen, this is the kind of stuff that make people leave churches when you're sick and believe the Bible, all right? God held who responsible? He held Adam responsible. For by one sin, why one what? Man. Sin entered, but Eve sinned first, but who is responsible? See how that works? By one man, sin entered into the world. God held Adam responsible. He didn't hold Eve responsible at all. I didn't say he didn't address her. He didn't hold Eve responsible. When God came down the cool of the day to talk to Adam, he didn't say, Eve, where art thou? You know what he says? Adam. Why? He's the one responsible. And when he came to face up to the decision, uh, he had to face up the decision that he had disobeyed God. And you know what he said? He said, Adam, what have you done? And uh, he didn't say, Eve, what did you do? He, he knew what Eve had done. But he knew that Adam was responsible for that family. It wasn't Eve. So, and the first thing out of Adam's mouth was <laughs> the woman. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what man's been doing ever since? He's been dodging the bullet. Well, if you wouldn't open your mouth, 
well, your mother said so. <laughs> and he'd been dodging the bullet, dodging the bullet. Only by pride cometh contention. That's Proverbs 13, 13. Do you realize that you and your wife never have to get in one argument the rest of your living days? Why? Only by pride cometh contention. Next time you start going, yeah, you remind me, I get it. Next time you and her get going back and forth, just go Proverbs 13, 13. Only by pride cometh contention. Close your stinking mouth, man. Why? You're responsible. That's rough, ain't it? No, I don't want to be a woman. <laughs> I ain't got that problem. But man, the men are responsible. We're doing all right, aren't we? And uh, so the first thing out of Adam's mouth is the woman, and he's been dodging responsibility ever since. Kind of a difficult thing to go through, but it needs to be gone through. Look at Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Genesis chapter 3 talking about the woman, talking about the man. The man needs to make the decision. I'll show you something. <clears throat> and listen, people hate the Bible. They really do. And I said this last time we're here, and you're like, why in the world? We're all here. We love the King James Bible. Amen. But I'm telling you what, as a rule of thumb, people hate the Bible, especially when you start preaching it, especially when you start teaching it. Line upon line, here a little. You know what they like? They like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But when you get to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, let the woman learn in silence. And, oh, well, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? Isn't that as much scripture as in the beginning God created? Isn't that as much scripture as if we confess our sin, you see what I mean? That's a negative truth. We're going to learn something about ourselves. You men are going to learn something about yourself, your responsibility, how you don't take up for your wife like you should. And you're going to learn, gals, you're going to learn something about yourself that if you're married, that you have a, a bunch of temptations that you're prone to that a man is not. That's it. And uh, why that's hard to understand in 2023 is because your country has been inundated by the prince and power of the air for so long, and they've told you and they've convinced every Christian that I know that all genders are the same. Right? And everyone's equal. No, you ain't. If everyone's equal, how come I don't get tempted the same way my wife does? You know, I mean, uh, you know, a guy walking in uh, with big rippling muscles and all that... Not me, <laughs> but, you know, some guy, you know, that super stud and all that. You know, that's, that's not going to affect my wife much. But, you know, it affects you guys, some gal, dressed crazy. Well, we're all equal, aren't we? No. But if he walks up to a gal and starts whispering sweet things in her ears, <laughs> got him. Genesis 3.16. I'm telling you, people hate the Bible. <clears throat> Here it is, Genesis 3.16. The Bible says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow <laughs> and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to who? <laughs> sure it will. <laughs> be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. You know what the wife's desire should be, according to the Bible, to please her husband. Man, that's quiet, ain't it? And when she's pleasing you, men, that means you're running the show, not her. You see that? Okay. You know, we got so many divorces in America today because men won't step out and run the family. 
Well, see, what you preacher, what you really don't understand is the breakdown of the home and, you know, and all this. Oh, shut up. It's because men won't do what they're supposed to do. That's what it is. You know why a divorce hit my home when I was six months old? Man wouldn't do what he should have done. Rather go out and drink. Amen. And then what happens? Men get lazy. They don't, uh, they're not faithful to the Lord. They're not faithful to the things they should. They won't read the Bible. They won't, show, they won't show how it's done. Hey, how is it done? Does she see you read the Bible? Does she see you pray? Do you pray with... You see what I mean? Oh, but you expect her to do it. You say you're bitter. I, just, I know a little bit about divorce. Amen. I mean, she ain't served me papers yet. But I grew up in that split deal. See what I mean? I was the other end of it. I'm the one that grew up with the identity crisis. Who am I? Neither side really wants anything to do with you. You see what I mean? That's the other side of it. Not just two people who couldn't get along. All right, now... <clears throat> It's because the man won't step out and run the family, and what he'll do, what most men will do, is he'll make the wife do it. And when you do it that way, it'll bust apart. It'll be a mess. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'll show you this. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, listen, there's exceptions that prove the rule everywhere you go. So if you're part of an exception, I'm not, I'm not ringing your bell or rattling your cage, but listen, you and I live in the dis destroyed generation. If you have a marriage that hasn't busted apart, you're one of the half percenters. You know what the big sin was 50, 70 years ago? Divorce. You know what I'm a product of? Divorce. You know what I'm thankful for? A divorce. I am. I wouldn't be in the pulpit if it wasn't for a divorce and a remarriage. You wouldn't be saved unless someone divorced... Israel and took up for you. You see that? That's Jeremiah 50, verse 1. All right, look at 1 Timothy 3, 4. <clears throat> one that ruleth his own house, there it is, having his children in subjection with all gravity. <laughs> you know what gravity is? <laughs> you say, that's, gra that's not gravity. You know what that is? That's force. <laughs> You know what gravity is? This is gravity. It's right there. And uh, gravity is something that keeps something from moving. Right? He says, uh, having his children in subjection with all gravity. And that's how men, that's how you're supposed to rule your home. You don't rule it with force. You rule it with gravity. It doesn't move up. It doesn't move down. It stays where it should. See what I mean? That's gravity. You rule with gravity, not force. And uh, if you rule with gravity, if you rule your home with gravity, I'm going to tell you right now, you will get a much better response. If all you can do with your kids is give them a stick, guess what? The days come where they can, they can throw the stick better than you. And if all you do is stick your kids and, and if, uh, yeah, that's right, I'll tell you what, I raised my kids. And, uh, yeah, you forced them into doing everything. And when they get old enough, guess what? See it. But if you do it with gravity, it doesn't move, and you can stay consistent with that thing, right? It doesn't move up. It doesn't move down. 
you stay balanced in that thing and that thing's rule with gravity, that's a much better way to, to raise your children, a much better way to rule your home than threatening. And nobody wants to hear that. That's all right. I just figure nobody does, but maybe I'm wrong. Listen, I'm, I'm not for raising my kids for anybody. I'm not for, I'm not for raising my kids for this church. What do you think of them apples? I'm raising them for Jesus Christ. I could give a rip what the brethren think. Amen? And when they go through tough times, you know what? I'll take up for them. No matter what you say. And you better do the same for your kids. And if not, you're an idiot. But you need to raise your kids for Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, uh, here's a crazy example of my boy in the back there. If he walks in the door with a Mr. T starter kit in each ear, you know what you'll know? And still living at home? There ain't no rule with gravity. Something went south. Ripped that thing right out of his ear. Oh, wait a minute, that's force. I can't do that. Amen. Oh, son, please take it out or I'll take your saw and cut it off. <laughs> now, uh, take your Bible, go to the book of Esther. Esther. Amen. Book of Esther. You got a good book in your lap. Now, if you want to. If you want to raise your kids for the brethren, you know what you're going to have? It's just always a continual heartache. Continual heartache. Now, as you're going over the book of Esther, I'll tell you what, uh, one thing you've got to remember is if you love this book and you follow this book, can I tell you that you're going to be a loner in your life? I want you to get a hold of that. I want that thing to settle in before we're done with Sunday school classes. Are uh, <clears throat> you better learn to like yourself? <laughs> if you're going to follow the book, you better learn to like yourself. You better learn to uh, like your wife. Amen. You better get a dog. I'm being practical with you. Amen. And you better you. you <laughs> You say, why get a dog? Because that dog will love you. That dog will serve you. And that dog will lick you even when your wife will kick you. Amen? (laughs) No. But all you got to do is be kind to that old dog. Amen? You know, I know how how to get a dog to like you. All you got to do is pat it on the head every time it comes by. Every time it comes by, you just sit there and you go like this. You stroke it a couple times. That's all you got to do. You don't have to pick it up and kiss. Ugh. Let it lick you. Ugh. Just, I'm telling you, every time that dog comes by, you just, hey, buddy, how you doing? That's it. And that dog will love you and that dog will serve you, won't it? I mean, you might have to get after it chasing tires or cars or whatever. But every time that dog comes by, now every time that dog, you start kicking that dog, that thing will go around the house before it comes to you, amen? You start picking on that dog, amen? <laughs> but uh, you better, better get your dog. You get your dog and just stroke it a few times. You say, why? There's something about a dog, he won't forget the truth. 
you know, he'll say, that, that dog will think, that, my master, he loves me. And uh, all you got to do is put a little bit of food in front of him, and that dog will serve you forever. But you know what? Believe in this book that's in your lap, which I believe most of you do. It'll, uh, it'll make you a loner if you believe it. And that's how you know some of the brethren don't believe that book. That's how you know some of the brethren, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't read it, they don't study it, they don't believe it. You say, why? They hate being alone. They hate solitude with their family. Can you imagine talking to another brother and telling, telling that brother how much you hate your family? You don't read that book. You might hate some of the storms you go through, but you don't hate your family. And if you do, you don't love that book, and you don't read that book, and you don't spend time in that book. That book will make you a loner. And a lot of brethren, they hate being alone. They hate solitude. They hate their kids. I've had them said, I hate my kids. I said, brother, shut your mouth. They, they hate being around their wife. And I'm looking at them going, they probably hate being around you too, amen. <laughs> but I'm telling you this morning, if you love that book, you're going to be a loner, so get your dog. <laughs> Esther chapter 1, and you see all the way in Esther chapter 1, all the way down through 22, uh, this wife of King Ahasuerus, her name's Vashti, and I know you know the story about Vashti there. Um, it, it, she wasn't guilty of what uh, uh, VeggieTales said, and not, wouldn't make uh, her husband a sandwich. But uh, anyways, but this gal Vashti, she wouldn't submit to her husband's authority, so what happens? He gets rid of her. Look at verse 17. For this deed, now listen, we're not, if, we're not saying if she don't listen to you, get rid of her. It might be a blessing, but anyways, we're not saying it. Amen. <laughs> 17. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. The Persians pretty smart, aren't they? You know what they're saying? If we don't get a crack on this thing, this whole thing's going to end up in utter rebellion. Uh, when it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti, the queen, to be brought, uh, brought in before him, but she came not. She must have been on TikTok or something. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much what? Contempt and wrath. You see that? If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and Medes, that it be altered... Um, that it be not altered, Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. When the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. Now, these are, these are heathens, and they're trying to figure this thing out actually according to the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that wild? 21, and the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mimucan, for he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language. Uh, what, what was this letter saying? Look at it. That every man should bear rule in his own house, in his own house, in his own house. You see that? And that it should be published according to the language of every people. So, you know, old king says, uh, I better crack this thing right now or it's going to spread out. And he gets rid of Ashti, and he, of course, you know the story, he gets a hold of Esther, and Esther's a 
good queen, and there's a lot of preaching there that we've done. Now, look, we're not talking about divorcing your wife if she doesn't obey you. We're not talking about that at all, all right? What I'm saying is this, is the man needs to be the king of the castle. According to the Bible, the man should be the king of the castle. Oh, y'all are tough this morning. And he's to be the final authority in the home. Old preacher said this, if you men don't rule the roost, you will fly the coop. And that's why men leave, because they won't rule. And you can sit there and you can blame her all day long. You say, well, it's her fault. It's her mother, and she's got a big mouth. Okay, fine. That's all. We'll cover that in a minute. But you're still supposed to rule, and if you don't, you'll either fly in the coop. And you might not necessarily uh, leave physically, but you'll leave mentally, amen? And you'll just check right out, and you'll make her do it all. You say, why? Well, you're the head of the family, and if you don't rule your home, and, uh, and if you're not the king of the castle, that thing's going to be a mess. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the wife is to be the husband's helpmeet. Now, I know you know this, but uh, that gal is supposed to be the husband's helpmeet. And uh, like we said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the wife giving the husband her opinion. And, but when it comes down to making a decision, the husband is the one that needs to make it because he's responsible for that family. Now, listen. If you haven't been running your home like that way, don't expect to lock up the brakes at 70 miles an hour and make all the changes overnight. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Say, Lord, let me rule my house as I should and sit down and talk about it. Amen. Look, uh, a lot of times why things crash and burn is because all of a sudden you get truth revealed to you and you're like, it's too great. Okay. Here a little and there a little, right? Start making decisions that are right. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Ask the Lord for boldness. See, believe it or not, most men are afraid of their wives. They are. But you are the head of that family, and if you don't do it that way, not only are you wrong, but you're cockeyed according to the Bible. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 again. One more time around this thing. I'm going to give you about uh, some things that women are going to have a difficult time with. And uh, men, you need to take some notes. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. And in most churches, this would be considered picking on the women. But you know what this really is? And this is going to sound self-serving. This is edification through preaching. This is what you need. And even if you already know it, it's a good reminder and it's a good place to take notes. And to check, am I in line with what this book says? As I was studying, as I was taking notes, as I was learning, you know what the Holy Spirit said? Well, you better check it up here. <laughs> you better do better here. I'm like, and I got to teach that. And he's like, you got to teach that. And you got to preach it. I'm like, oh, we're good. <laughs> All right, 1 Timothy 2.9, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair and gold, pearls, costly array, but which become the women of professing godliness with good works, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. I keep going over that passage. I want you to be intimately connected with it. I want you to know it inside and out. So, like I said earlier, the woman was made for the man. The man was not made for the woman. But you get over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you realize that if you want to please the Lord, you know what you do, man? You please your wife. And gal, if you want to please the Lord, you know what you're going to do? 
you please your husband. So if you both focus on pleasing each other, then you please the Lord. And if you're both focusing on being pleased, that thing's a wreck. You see what I mean? If you expect her to please you all the time and you expect him to please you and you expect her to please you, you see what I mean? That thing's just a, just a disaster. And if you're honest with yourself and you look back to the times that things were off the rails or falling apart, it's because you expected her to do something and she didn't deliver or you expected him to do something and he didn't deliver and then you were mad at each other. And then again, only by pride cometh contention. <laughs> All right, man wasn't made for the woman. Verse 14, 1 Timothy 2, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was being deceived. I'm sorry, the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So right here, uh, here's a mountain of learning, a mountain of learning. The Bible says that Adam was not deceived. And you men need to think about that for a minute, because when you men sin, you know what happens? You are rarely deceived. That's the Bible. A man, you know what he does? He usually counts the cost before he sins. He sees sin, he looks at it, and he's a gambler. He counts the cost, he rolls the dice, and he goes, it's either going to cost me this much money, or it's going to cost me this many days on the couch, amen, amen, or it's going to cost me this many days of irritation, or it's right? And then he does it. That man's not deceived, and that's your Bible. But uh, you know how a woman sins? Well, Genesis chapter 3, what did the devil do? He saunters right up next to Miss Universe there, Mrs. Universe, and he sweet-talked Eve into doing wrong. He just sweet-talked her. You see that? So a woman is deceived. A man usually isn't deceived. I'm, I get there's some idiots out there, amen, they're just a dumber than a stump, but they'll be deceived. But as a rule of thumb, a man won't be deceived when he sins. Uh, verse 14 says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So, as a rule of thumb, a woman is usually talked into sin. And in the garden, Adam wasn't deceived when he sinned. Adam took them grapes. You know why he took them? In order to die with his wife. He knew exactly what he did. He could have stepped back and he could have asked, All right, Lord, uh, make me another one. Kill her. But he chose to die with his wife. Isn't that Jesus Christ did for his bride? Died for his bride. Uh, fellow says, uh, I need some advice about getting married. I said, well, just get ready to die. You want to get married? You better get ready to die. Are you ready to die for your bride? Yes. Oh, well, you might be ready to get married then. <clears throat> he said, were you ready to die? No, were you? <laughs> All right, but Adam counted the cost. And seeing that the Bible says that your wife is the Weaker vessel, 1 Peter 3, 7, right? Uh, I want to show you, we don't have time, but I'll show you a couple. There's five temptations that a woman faces. They're found right here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 9 to, 30, uh, 9 to 12. There's five things that uh, will tempt a woman that a man won't be tempted to do. Five things that will deceive your wife. Let me give you this one. In verse 9, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, uh, your wife or a woman in general, she'll be tempted to attract attention with her dress. There's no man out there that's attempted to attract attention with his dress. He's always looking for the one that's dressing. See what I mean? But the first thing, a woman, she'll be tempted to attract attention with her dress. And like we said, that man, he'll count the cost. When a woman tries to attract attention 
uh, your attention, a man will do one of two things. A man will go after her, as uh, was Proverbs 7.22 says, as an ox goeth to the slaughter. He'll do that, one of two things. Or the second thing, you know what he'll do? He'll say, my life, my wife, my kids, my family, my ministry ain't worth it, and he'll turn around and go the other way. That's what he'll do. All right, that's the first one. In uh, verse 9, that woman shall be tempted to attract attention with her dress. Now, the second thing, in verse 11, verse 11, that woman shall be tempted to talk back and argue with her husband. I didn't even get an amen on that one, a bunch of Bible rejectors. <laughs> now, it's right there in the Bible. You don't have to get nervous about it even if you've been married for 100 years. <laughs> this is a temptation of a woman in verse 11. You say, why? The Bible says, let the woman learn in... Come on, guys, help me out. Silence. And that's a temptation that a woman's going to have to fight. And I'll say this, if you've been married a while, you know it. Amen. Well, you're picking on the women. But see, no, I'm not. That's, that's the world and the flesh and the devil talking to you. We're talking about temptations that a woman will have, and it's found right there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. All right, she'll be tempted to talk back and argue with her husband. You guys aren't going to say nothing on that one. Look at number three. Having a good time. Having a good time. Okay, next week we'll separate genders. No, just kidding. <clears throat> Amen. All right, here's a third thing. That woman, your wife, she'll be tempted to refuse to make a change in her conduct. That's verse 12. She'll, she'll be tempted to refuse to make a change in her conduct. That temptation is rebellion. Look at verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So the temptation there in verse 12 is rebellion. She'll be tempted to usurp authority over the man, and the man there is not the man on the street, the man is the husband. Talking about a godly marriage and the proper relationship between a man and a wife. And her temptation will be not to obey, but to rebel. Right there in the passage, right there in the verse. And it's hard for her. We're not picking on her, we're being honest. Which most men are not. You expect her to respond just like you respond. Ain't going to happen, sweetheart. <laughs> You're geared completely different. Men in the military go like this. You give, a, you give your wife an order, and see, some of you wrinkled your nose when I said that, but you give your wife an order, she'll go. Uh, not all the time. Now listen, these are natural problems for a woman. Natural problems from look at something else, verse 14. The Bible says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Now, she's the weaker vessel, right? So here's number four. The temptation is she's easy prey for the devil. The temptation here is she's easy prey for the devil. The woman is tempted to become easy prey for the devil to deceive her. Uh, and if none of these other ones have hit, none of these other four, here's the one that will if you've ever had kids, uh, look at verse 15. Here's number five. Here's number five. All right. A woman shall be tempted to complain and constantly be depressed when she's bearing children. 
She'll be tempted to complain and constantly be depressed when she's bearing children. You say, well, you know, are there some chemicals and hormones? Okay, fine. I'm not talking about the exception of the rule, but she'll be tempted to complain. She'll be tempted to nag. She'll be tempted to whop, 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 whop when she's bearing children, just like Charlie Brown's teacher. You say, why? Because she's bad? No, because she's the weaker vessel. And there's a set of temptations that only that woman will face in a different manner where you, man, you won't. Do you see why men and women aren't the same? Now, this is a terrible place to stop because you gals are going to get a complex and it's not fair. But here's the thing. That thing kicks back on the man. And you would read 9 through 12, 13, and 14 and think, the woman, the woman, the woman. But you end that chapter, you know what it says? If they... You know what saves that woman? Not talking about salvation going to heaven. You know what saves that woman? If they shall continue, they. That means the husband's doing what he should be doing to take up for the wife. And that's where we as men, we just strike right out of the plate. goes by just like a fly on the wall. All right, we'll pick that up later. Finish that very.